Welcome to Indie Depth, the show where we go in-depth with independent filmmakers. I'm your host, Andrew Froning. With me today, I have Elijah St. Amant. He is an indie filmmaker from... Are you from New Jersey? No, not initially. I moved out here from New York. From Phil- I've lived in Philly, New York, San Diego, all over the place. But uh, I've been here for the past four years, and I love it. it it's definitely become the new home. All right. Sure. Now located in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Elijah's new film, Turpentine, has just won Best First Time Director at two different festivals, as well as Best Sound Design and Best Production. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been a fun ride. The last, the last two years have been very, very interesting. But it's, it's been, it was so much fun to put that film together. I mean, it, from the start, I actually, uh, we built like this crew locally just you know we wanted to keep within the area right now i'm in lambertville new jersey i don't know if you're familiar but it's very artist centric it's a great area for you know there's like there's tons of galleries there's not a lot of film work in the area um but it's been exciting to sort of bring that to the local you know the local artist guild it's been fun i'm sure it's very inspiring being in an area where there's so much art and culture going on yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's very motivational to be surrounded by other people, other creatives that you know want to pursue the same thing you do, which is living off of your art. You know, having just the ability to wake up and be excited about the work that you're doing. For sure. Yeah, and I always find it great to, um, especially if you're if you're in one discipline, say filmmaking. You know, if all you do is watch films, you can bring a certain amount of something new to it but if you're immersed by paintings by photography by music um you've got a a broader palette to work from absolutely i mean that's it it's film is as much as it is visual it's encompassed by you know the culture surrounding it i mean music is such an important part of film uh not even just music, just the sound design in general. Um, it was it was funny because when we created Turpentine, we had three different cuts initially, and one of them, our the initial edit, uh, just it, it fit the script that we had. It fit everything the, the preconceived notions we we put on it, but it just didn't hit the way that we wanted it to. So, and I know the the, the famous saying, you know, there, there's one film in script writing, there's another film in shooting, and there's a third in editing. We had like ten different films, um, and it's it, it was it, part of it was sad because I fell in love with certain scenes that I really wanted to see make the film. But when we dove into scoring the film, uh, that's really when it started to take shape. I brought in this wonderful cellist, Dan Castle, and we sort of just sat there for, you know, like he, I had him play ten different just solos based on. He's a, he's a wonderful cellist, so I mean I could sort of just bark at him like. I need something to feel sad, like solo for 10 minutes and feel sad. Um, but we just, we tried to bring as much tense energy into the film as possible. And the cello absolutely brought it there. This last edit is, it was a completely different story than what was set out to be. Obviously, there were still certain key elements that we needed to be a part of the film. The whole the story that we wanted to tell is still there. But we were able to do it in a way that initially you know, it just wasn't planned on. And it, it came out perfectly after he set that mood. And then I, you know, just did as much um, 
like I just had them line out these several different tracks that were five to ten minutes each and then go in and cut little parts and then pieced it together over the next, uh, you know, took, it, it just funny. It was like three weeks that the film took a completely different turn in that three weeks. It entirely. Yeah, uh, audio, I've always kind of maintained that audio is the other 50%. Some people in audio say it's more. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a tremendous amount of work on both the video and audio ends. So I like to just say 50-50. <laughs> Absolutely. I also think it's it's dependent on who's creating it. You know, it could be some, some films aren't as, you know, reliant on audio and I'm sure I was actually thinking of talking about this the other week that if I wanted to go back and and create this film for somebody who was hard of hearing I don't I don't know if I, I don't know if that last final cut would work to the mm. same that it does it, it's funny though if you strip the audio on this particular short film it, it just it doesn't work the same way it, it's a huge part of it and again that's because of my music background I wanted to create something that was relying on the audio track to drive it um, but I think you know because I mean there, there's in the cello itself or in any instrument you can do answers and calls with the instrument and that this if you pay attention to the audio track in this pretty much every some of the like even the dialogue that I had the actors do the cello matches up exactly with when they're speaking it's like a story dry, driven by that and, and it's okay. just crazy how different it is when you take that out Okay, and now I had spoken with another filmmaker, um, Alan Sconza Jr., about the writing process and keeping audio in mind. He also writes music, and he says when he's coming up with an idea, he doesn't just see the picture, but he hears the soundtrack a little bit. Do you account for a score early on in the process? Yes, but at the same time, for, for my process specifically... Um, I leave enough room for creative decisions after, just to see how things go. I mean, I, the biggest the, the biggest thing about this production was that we needed to be willing to adapt and not have that ego of like, no, I need this to exactly be. We actually had somebody involved earlier on in the process that his process was so different that we just, you know, we amicably parted ways, but and respectfully, like we're good friends still. But it, it's it was just like he. He needs to go by the book on what he's doing, what he's planned out, and I completely respect that. But that's something that just for this, we knew like you know we're we're independent, like we don't have the massive funding that would allow for us to rely perfectly like how how that day will go. I need you know these actors to they can come back and we'll shoot it again, we'll shoot it again. Hmm. We didn't really have that option. This was self-funded, right. so just being able to adapt and, and change. But yes, absolutely, I think I I sort of. When, because I, I wrote the script, um, well, initially we sourced this script from Reddit that we liked, that was like, it was cool, but then as soon as we started getting into pre-production, we realized this wasn't going to be possible, and the writer didn't really account for certain, uh, just, you know, things that we would have to either rely on much more special effects or other sure. things that we realized wasn't going to be an option. So what we ended up doing is we did like a but we sat all four of us, um, me, Melinda, Tibbetts, uh, Catherine, and my another partner I was working at the time, Discord. We just sort of hashed out the story, hashed out the story. Then we ended up scrapping it, keeping the names of the characters, and just rewriting the entire thing from scratch. But when we were doing that, we were paying attention to like, okay, 
this is the the part that I know I want to have you know to be tense and how am I going to encompass that tension and that incorporates music for me immediately um, also a huge aspect was lighting uh, I mean lighting is everything in films but it's for this one there's a lot of weird color lighting a lot of we, we didn't want to just use like um, we didn't have any Ari panels at our you know uh, in our setup so those are the breaks we just sort of got creative with that and um, you know used work lights colored them painted them uh, tried to do a bunch of different you know creations that ended up you know being a very blue and red film uh, which wasn't what was set out for initially but it ended up working to our advantage I think all right uh, we had talked about how the look of your lighting um, has evolved um, for your film turpentine yeah um, discuss that process where did you start where did you end up are you happy with the end result do you wish some things could have been done differently well, I think I, I, I think there's always something that you kind of wish, like, oh, I wish I could go back and, and alter just a little bit or, or certain discrepancies that you would, as a creator, you want to, you know, go back. You're, you're, sometimes, I know for me personally, I'm my harshest critic. Uh, well, there's plenty of harsh critics out we there. We all are our worst critics. <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> so it, it's sort of just... Um, there are things that I wish you could change, but in the, the developmental process of um, the look of the film, we actually had, we set out, like again, I wanted to keep everything local. I thought it was important to sort of create something that Lamberville could be proud of or could be involved in, in as much as possible. And it ended up being that, but we, the initial locations that we picked, like this is a very, um, well, right now it's it's desolate. It's a tourist town, so it it fluctuates with thousands of people, and that sort of limits you on when you can film somewhere or where you can film. But since we're right on the water, we're a river town. Um, initially, I wanted that to be the lake. I wanted to figure out a way to you know to shoot this and sort of limit. We made posts on the local Facebook group pages, um, and a lot of people were surprisingly supportive. I'm like, hey, you can come check out my backyard. You can come. Wow. Uh, yeah, there were even people who were like, hey, come and try to film my, my house. I have this uh, amazing, there's so much beautiful architecture here. It's such an old town. Uh, it used to be like, I think it was a home for like a monastery. So okay. we have a bunch of buildings, like a giant one, like the Vatican type deal. Um, but we have all these old buildings that look gorgeous on the inside. And there were so many people who were like, come here. You can use my living room. You can use my... Uh, Upstairs, yeah. So it was like, wow. Okay, let's let's do that. Sometimes um, all you have to do is ask, right? Yeah, seriously. Well, that's that. Yeah, that's something that I, I think is really important for all any other filmmaker trying to start in this. Like, don't be afraid to ask people and just be nice, be kind, be respectful. Um, so yeah, we we had three initial locations that were paramount to the film. Uh, one was again the river. Uh, another was this gorgeous house that we were going to use for the living room, dining room, uh, garage scenes. The, I think most of the living room scenes got cut, though. Um, but in that process, we ended up um, realizing we, we can't shoot on the river. It was actually the first day of, of filming. We had checked it out before, and there wasn't as much harsh lighting, and I guess we just didn't consider, like, okay, this could be really bad if it was a very, very bright day and there's not really sure. a way to recover from that. And so we get on set and we immediately realize like 
fuck. Like this, this isn't gonna work out. So um, we, thankfully, again, uh, when I casted, three of them were pretty very seasoned actors. Eric Slodisky, who Slodisko, who I, I know you know, mm-hmm. and is a wonderful person. Um, then we had this woman, Lauren, who had acted previously, but not as much, but she was local and she was a socialite locally, and that was sort of a political decision. Like, we need somebody who can help us with the production then, too, to bring her in locally. We lived here for a much longer time. She hit up her friend, Daphne. Uh, turns out this woman had a private lake behind her house. Mm. Sort of private lake. So we immediately drove over there. Uh, it was it was gorgeous. It ended up working out perfectly. Um, so it was, that was the only very weird last-minute change that wasn't as planned. But whenever I go to shoot something, I have my backgrounds in photography uh, as well. Um, I, I do sort of like we were just able to transplant the shot that we had at the river over to the lake, and the only thing that really changed was the foliage and you know the, the lake itself, which was gorgeous. And they had this little shed that we actually in post ended up incorporating as part of the story because there was something written in there initially about another structure that we didn't have. So it worked out. Okay. Now, Um, did you use um, both shots from both locations together? Or did you do just like a complete reshoot? Yeah, yeah, we complete reshoot. We we actually didn't even, we, we made it like three seconds into the first scene and it was sort of just like a we need to call it and make a decision about if we can find something else. Um... And, but yeah, it, it, it worked out perfectly. That was, like, if I had known that place existed prior, I would have gone and begged to use it. <laughs> but there's a lot of, you know, surprises in this area that we that I live in. There's a lot of hidden back roads. So, you you know, chances are there is something that you'd be able to shoot. Um, the, other, the other instance, uh, we had this Airbnb that I knew the owner of. Um, well, again, Laura knew the owner of. Uh, she connected us with Jenny, she's a phenomenal person. She had this gorgeous old firehouse that was restored and had this um, two bedrooms on top of each other, which ended up being Eric's bedroom uh, or Henry's bedroom. But yeah, it, and that that was the lighting in there, like it was it was so dark, there was not a lot of lighting in there, which is ideal, it's perfect, not a lot of natural light. We were able to block out everything. I like to do as much controlled lighting as possible, so we always black rooms, build it from the scratch. Um, and with this one, again, because of all the colors, we just ended up using a bunch of gels on, um, like, we had, I think we had two, like, ladybug lights, which are, you know, like, $300 lights, not, not expensive. Uh, they are they, like, with, Fresnel, like, spot lights? Uh, LED, yeah. Well, no, th- this, one of them was a Fresnel, the other, like, was literally just a, the non-ladybug light was just a work light that we, Okay. It, it, it really like it's surprising how powerful those can be like if you just go to home depot grab a bunch of those and yeah i mean that was my first lighting kit <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and that, it's funny now i finally have like apertures and it's like oh i wish i could go back and use them for this film but honestly it's like i'm so happy with how it turned out and it's i think it's also just a good representation of like you can do a lot with a little like the budget for this film was except for paying the actors was like nothing, you know? So it was kind of like, get creative, do whatever you can. And I am so happy with how it turned out. And um, you did pay the actors? Yeah, yeah, Great. always. I thought that like going into this, I, I know that's like, you know, your first film, it's daunting. Like just save up enough to pay the actors. Like they'll be so much happier. You'll get better performances. Like 
like we we really wanted to do this right if we were going to do it at all so good tip good tip that's admirable um so you said the look had kind of evolved um we've talked on the locations um let's get a little more into the lighting you threw some gels on there and it was that just something that you thought something needed to pop or it worked thematically it well it worked so um, again before going into this i know that every single individual film has a color palette like to it that you know is like or at least any of the major motion pictures they have very specific colors they're using and i wanted to sort of take care of that a bit like i, I try to be as uh, i think it was like a purist where you do everything in front of the camera as much as possible um and that's sort of what was the inspiration of that. Also, if you pay attention to the colors in the story, the colors all connect to their actual, like if you go into the, um, the charts that break down colors and the emotions they invoke, it was sort of you know, just trying to use that science as much as possible. And we did it in a way that the colors also tell the story. And it was sort of like, okay, we have music that's going to build, break, tell the story. I want to do the same thing with the lighting. So that was all, that was like planned out. But, of course, on set, you just sort of have to adjust to make it look as cinematic as possible. And playing with darkness is the way to do that, in my opinion. Take out all the light and just any darkness you're leaving in there is a part of it. It's not like a neutral. It's as much a part of the coloring as the light is. So we use a lot of shadows, especially for the bedroom scenes, the, the scenes where Joan uh, is sort of at the foot of Henry's bed. That was, you know, a really fun one to, to focus on but there's a lot of shadow play in that all right now turpentine has had an interesting release it's not an online release it's an art house theater tour yeah yeah how did uh that start out where'd you get the idea for that so um well initially again back backstory uh, a lot of music work, a lot of working with different artists, and of course that involves touring, a lot of touring. Um, and for this in particular, uh, initially the release again, we wanted to focus on Lambertville, we wanted to focus on our local area, because as any type of artist, like for bands building their brand, like you, you want to get as many local shows as possible and get like a really strong fan base of, of people around you. Um, and that helps carry over to when you go to other towns, when you you know want to reach a new fan base. If you already have fans, it makes it easier for the fans, the, the new potential fans, to trust, like, okay, this is something I, like, I'm allowed to like. It's sort of a subconscious element to it. Um, now, we, during production, I wanted to sort of be as loud as possible about, hey, like, this, we're filming this locally. I, again, reached out to a bunch of different businesses to see if we could film there. Just started the conversation and dialogue going months before the release. Uh, eventually, that led to me connecting with Donna, who runs the Acme here in Lambertville, which is a wonderful, very cute theater. Um, we ended up having an incredible sold-out premiere, um, but that, that came for months of sort of building up to that. Like, we started that dialogue before the film was over, before anything had uh, really even come to full fruition. But after we... You know, we had that premiere. I had already been reaching out to other indie theaters in different pockets. Um, there was one in Princeton. Unfortunately, right now the theater tour is on hold because of coronavirus. But um, 
we're going to be picking that right back up after everything, whatever that is, you know, smart to do. But we had it set for Princeton, Philly, um, and a couple in New York. And it was, it was sort of, again, just a process of reaching out as much prior as possible, building the scheme behind the film. Um, and part of that was so there was the whole plan and the whole what we wanted to do with our film. Initially, we were creating it to release on Alter, which is uh, an incredible short horror channel. There's a, there's a lot of different platforms similar to this um, where they, they premiere indie short films or just short films in general. has a really solid foundation. They have a huge fan base. So it's a really good way to get eyes in front of your work. Um, so we were creating this film to actually pitch to Alter, and we're in their queue right now. It's, it's like a three-month waiting list. Keep your feeling. Um, so, but we have a couple backups always. That was so. Anyway, we did that. But in order to build up even more steam on that, I went onto their channel, did a bunch of research on other directors that had released with them, and there was this wonderful short film entitled Teeth. It's a short animated film, and actually the. The guy who narrated it just won an Oscar last year. I'm blanking on his name. Um, shoot. Uh, but he, yeah, he, they, uh, it was an incredible animated short film. I reached out to the creator of it, Tom, and I asked if we could use his film on our potential tour. And we wanted to incorporate, you know, a couple other local directors who had that local fan base sort of behind them as well, which is what you do when you're booking a show for an artist as a musician. You, you grab one band who has fans from here, you know, depending on which city you're in or which area you're in. So I took that concept, did that. Um, we had uh, Springs County Psycho, uh, Christopher Sturm. He's great. He's a young director and wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, so eventually Tom ended up reaching back. He really liked Turpentine. He said he's all for it. We so we ran that for the first one, and again, since he was released on Alter, that the the other idea behind that was like, hey, when I able to you know give them the sort of press kit behind it, I can say like, look, we we have this tour going with another film that you release, um, and that definitely started the conversation a bit more positively with them. So you know, just sort of ideas like that, incorporating like there, there's, I've heard a lot of people be reluctant about where they show their film. They think it like maybe like, oh, I want to shoot for the largest thing possible, you know, out of the gate. And it's like, you got to build up a lot of steam and energy, I think, behind what you do. And it's, you know, just reach out to your local theater, even if you can get like a showing with 20 people, like that's good, but that's a great thing. So those are 20 more people who will be talking about your work. Um, and that's a lot more memorable. I mean, not just for you and your cast and crew, but for the people who view your work, you know, they're not going to forget that versus, oh, yeah, you know, watch five minutes of something on YouTube and got bored or, you know, it's just it's so it's so easy to uh, to flip to the next thing on YouTube sometimes. So, you know, you're able to sit in a theater environment, you know, all your other senses are blacked out. You've got a screen, you've got speakers. They're not going anywhere. They're going to appreciate it and enjoy it a whole lot more. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it's, we also took the time after the showing to really talk with everybody. We did a, um, I believe in doing Q&As. It's like a cool way to get them even more, like even if they didn't like the short film, maybe after talking to you personally about it, they'll, they'll appreciate it a bit more. Sure. So 
took the time to do that, and that's always fun. Um, but it's it, it's a learning process for me. This was again the first one that we were doing, and now that we're granted it's on hold for this, but right before um, the pandemic hit, we were about to start filming a uh, series uh, that you know we had finished pre-production on, and we're about to head into filming. But it's I've learned so much from doing this first project and doing it right and not cutting corners. I think there's a lot of ways for you know to learn something, and um, it's it's great to have formal training on as well. But if you really want to soak up a lot of information and knowledge, just you know research the way to, to do something, and even if you don't think you can do it exactly the way that is suggested or was one of you like take the time to really go through each individual steps like for filming just take the time to appreciate all of it and then soak it up and then apply it even more so to your next production so. good advice yeah now um, in our pre-interview we had kinda chatted about a, a brand as a filmmaker yeah well, tell me a little more about that so it's just like a level of cohesity with your uh, with your work you want um, in my opinion, it, it's like it's great to be able to, to be a jack of all trades, and uh, this applies to any creative industry. Um, it's important to sort of once you set the bar for what somebody expects of you in a in a certain style, it doesn't mean that you can't switch over and do comedy. Just it, it, I think it's important to sort of transition smoothly. Um, it's there's. The way that people view anything creative, it's it's it, it's its own entity. It's not just your own personality. Like as an artist, as a musician, you really, you know, you affiliate with certain things. Uh, like it's important to get certain types of press with certain magazines because it makes the brand feel at a certain level. Um, versus like I like for filming, it's it's very different. But I think it's important to sort of create this atmosphere around your work that. Again, like the viewer knows what to expect going into it. Like uh, sort of like Ari Aster, who is an incredible filmmaker. Um, that I, it's people either hate his work or love his work. I really love his work. Um, I think it's fantastic. It's kind of renewed my faith in horror films. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Hereditary was. I loved it. it yeah, really that was mind blowing. It was just—it was not <laughs> what I expected. I felt like a detective the whole time watching that movie. Yeah, it's so cool. Exactly. Very good. That's and you—you you know what to expect going into his films. Like you, it, it, he's very consistent about the type of storytelling he does. And granted, I know I heard he was switching to comedy for his next film, which is very cool and interesting. But even if you watched his first short film. Uh, which was very, very dark about the father and the the son having a sexual relationship, but it was it was done and it's that's as dark as that is. He did it in a way that like people are still talking about it. It's like it's kind of it's done in almost a humorous tone. So it's not unbelievable to see him going to heart or into comedy, and it, it's sort of just like I think it's important to keep a narrative not just in one film but going throughout all of your work where it's. A very like work like and for what I was just saying about you know taking the time to learn what you're doing learn your own process really develop your own process um, and I think that will affect the end product every time if you're working and bettering each individual you know facet that you're focusing on um, and the same the same goes with the releases it, it, it's something that 
Like in, in music, you you want to outdo yourself with every release. Um, like I, I was working with, like I've, I've traveled with Sandy Beals of One Direction. Um, my own project role, we had gotten on like initially on Complex Magazine, then we wanted to better it up. We got advice, we got a better video out there for each show. Like each show that you do, you kind of want to build up, get larger venues. The same, it's just the same sort of concept. You're building a, a story with your own career that people can look in on and watch and so when you're building what you're doing with film like don't you know try not to stray from the path create what you're building up to and keep it consistent and build that narrative great advice build a brand don't be afraid to contact your local theater um elijah shane mont is a new jersey now filmmaker and um is there any place we can see your work or previous work well Turpentine, we're working on setting up the actual release for. Um, this is the first creative film work, but if you check out the Instagram, um, we have Thrift Soul official, and then we also have my own personal Instagram, which is uh, the only Elijah that matters. Okay, well, there you have it. <laughs> There'll be links in the description. Thanks again, Elijah, for going indie depth. Thank you, Andrew.